0: Good morning, everyone. So good to see your faces, and also welcome to those who are tuning in online. Uh, We're excited we can all be together. Uh, This morning, we have kind of a different type of service. Uh, We've kind of stripped it down from some of the normal uh, music and excitement, and we're just going to get into the Word, Uh, I'm going to share a message, and then we're going to do some prayer together. And I kind of like, you know, the more I thought about this, the more I kind of like the idea of us as a church learning to um, just enjoy God's presence. You know, I was thinking a little bit about how how much, especially in America, we rely on the exhilaration and the excitement and the bells and the whistles of just the, the whole church production. And sometimes we we actually feed on that energy, and when that energy is gone, as we're seeing during the pandemic when churches can't even gather, or they're gathered in a a very restricted sense, uh, then we have to rely on just the presence of God. But the presence of Jesus is the thing. That is the excitement. That is the thing that should exhilarate our souls more than anything. I keep thinking of Isaiah 55 this week where uh, God asks this question, you know, why do you spend yourself on things that don't satisfy? And he says, come to the waters. So I pray this morning uh, that nothing would lack in this service. In fact, we would richly enjoy the presence of Jesus. So let me just give you a few thoughts. I'm going to get right into this message. But, you know, as most of you know from the letter that went out this week, um, you know, today will be a unique service. I'll be sharing a pastoral talk that has been on my heart for a while, quite a while. In fact, probably right through uh, the pandemic And um, after I preach a message, uh, several of our leaders are going to just kind of join me up on the stage. And we're just going to lead you guys in a time of prayer together. So I recently wrote this message as a letter, as I often do, right? Just send kind of a a letter out to to the church community And there's a lot of people who uh, are still in the newsletter who have moved away, and I call them ren alumni. Uh, So I thought it was just kind of a message for them, just a little letter I wrote. But after I wrote it, I realized that it needed to be given some attention on a Sunday morning and just spoken out. So this message, uh, this morning that I speak, will be a little bit different than the written version if you have uh, read that. I know it was quite long, and not everybody has the time to read uh, my long letters, but hopefully you, uh, you were able to at least skim through it. My hope is that this morning will ignite prayer for our brothers and sisters in Christ who have drifted away from God during the pandemic. If you are here this morning, or if you are watching online, um, and you have drifted away, I'm praying that this morning you would have a turnaround. I believe that the word is powerful to do that. I believe that God is urgent in wanting to bring you out of the place that you're in and set you on a solid ground. As we were praying this morning, we were thinking about, or I was thinking about one of the things I prayed about was just the sovereign mercy of God. How there's been times in my life where I felt a million miles away from God. Just a million miles away. Just I, I don't even know, you know, just kind of going through the motions, just God, where are you? And just out of the blue, kind of as a, a gift, as a surprise, as a sovereign mercy, the Lord just kind of extends his hand and pulls you up and pulls you near to himself. And I am praying that that would happen to every single person this morning who feels distant from the Lord. Your job, just have an open heart. I don't think you have to do anything. You don't have to, you know, go through any, gymnastics to try to climb the mountain to god you know just in your weakness in your emptiness just kind of open up your hands and just say god i need you have that posture this morning let's just open with a word father i pray this morning that you would touch every single heart um Lord, I'm so aware of the limitation of just words. You know, words are words. This world is filled with words. Words fall short. Words just can't change our lives in and of themselves. But Lord, when words of truth are coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit, it can do something deep on the inside. It can cleanse away sin. It can renew our hearts. It can raise us from the dead. It can restore us back to a close relationship with you. It can just wash away the, the, the junk in our life and clear clear the sky. It can give us a revelation of God. It can give us an encounter with God. So we pray that those things would happen through The speaking of the word, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I recently heard a statistic, uh, reliable, the Barna Group, which is kind of the most reputable statistical group of, you know, Christians kind of looking at things, looking at trends and whatnot. But I heard a statistic that when the pandemic started in about March, right, that a huge percentage of pastors, including myself, as some of you know, believed that the pandemic would spark a turning to Christ and a wave of numerical growth in the churches. You know, kind of widespread revival in America. The thought was that the hardships of the coronavirus and everything that people were going through would drive people to their knees, that the sickness and death of so many would awaken people to the brevity of life and put them in a place of hunger to be reconciled with God. I believed that many pastors were believing that and I went to prayer meetings where pastors were praying that out and and really feeling that deeply. Well a more recent survey showed that almost no pastors are thinking like that now 6 7 months into the pandemic, right? 8 months. The opposite has been the reality. Another statistic I heard was that one third of church attendees have just disappeared. They aren't gathering physically on Sundays and they aren't watching online. They've just dropped out and tuned out. And maybe because of, you know, like I was saying before, the exciting big. Sunday show production with all the bells and whistles and excitement and coffee and food and donuts and music and all of that, just the whole energy of the Sunday American church production is kind of on the shelf, right? There's probably many reasons, but many, one third, have just tuned out. Many Christians in in, in relative isolation have, this is the reality, have not pressed in to a deep place with God, but have fallen into old habits of addiction to drugs or food or alcohol or media or pornography. The lack of connection is taking its toll And large numbers of Christians are falling away at alarming rates. Discouragement and doubts have set in. Fear and anxiety have debilitated many. Many have sort of lost spiritual feeling and are just numb toward God. They feel distant from God. Eternal things don't feel real. They hear the word of God, but it doesn't move them. This is some of the condition, we could keep going about that, but this is some of the condition that many of God's people are in this morning. And part of why we're doing this service is to pray for them and to cry out for them. Well, since I heard these uh, statistics not too long ago, I reflected on my own experience in, in the pandemic. Very strange for pastors. You know, we rely so much on just seeing people's faces, engaging the community, knowing the condition of your flock, just by kind of being, being at everything, being around the people. But I came up against my own disillusionment from how I was thinking at the beginning of the pandemic to how I've been thinking in more recent weeks. I had to acknowledge that there has been no mighty revival there has been no dramatic growth of Renaissance Church or the church at large. I've heard some good reports from some of you in this very room um, who, you know, just people who have kind of harnessed the isolation for good and to find a deeper relationship with the Lord. But these stories are, are more the exception. I think the, the larger... Uh, trend is that it's taking its toll the pandemic is taking its toll on people well I'm as guilty as anyone for uh if you've been a part of renaissance church for any length of time for drumming up excitement for some uh, great coming revival that will change our city and touch nations you've heard me preach on it sometimes the vision of what is possible is so clear in my mind I can taste it. It burns within me. And it's true, it is true, that God is able, and I believe God is willing to do these things in our generation. And we should absolutely pray incessantly for his kingdom to come and to be manifested dramatically. And we will continue to pray that. But (laughs) what do we do in the waiting I've prayed for revival since, really, since 1989 when I became a Christian. I stumbled upon this little Baptist church in Springfield, Mass, where I was living, that had um, their own little bookstore, and there were just tons of books on revival. And so I thought this was just normal. You know, I just started consuming all of these books on revival and began praying for revival. So it's been over 30 years and i i can say i've been pretty serious about it through every season of my life whether we lived in new york city or doing campus ministry in boston in my previous church as a ministries pastor certainly since 2003 when we started this church i have been praying for revival i've been groaning for it i've cried out for it there have been times of fasting there have been times of mobilizing the entire church to pray for 40, 40 days or a 21-day fast. Uh, not too long ago, right, we were praying, we had a prayer meeting every single day of the week at Renaissance Church, praying for what? Praying for revival, praying that God would pour out a spirit in our generation. I've studied the principles of revival. I've read many books on revival. I've preached probably hundreds of messages in the past 30 years in all different settings on the subject of revival. Revival. I'm still waiting. Now, this is not an easy idea to bear, but I wonder if we are not going to see a revival in America in our generation. I'm 53. Now, at best... I have another 30 to 40 years. That would be at best. Try to stay healthy, but I could be gone in a year. I could be gone in 10 years. Like, we don't know when our time comes, but life is a short thing, isn't it? James 5 says it's a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. It's a short window. This is our generation right now. I'm not sure if there's going to be A dramatic turnaround in America. Will there be a great revival that results in massive numbers of people breaking down in tears of repentance and being regenerated? Will there be a great revival in the city of Providence, this, you know, one of the least Bible minded cities in America? Will there be a great resurrection, a great movement of God? Will there be churches overflowing with people? hungering and thirsting for God as there there was in in the First Great Awakening or the Second Great Awakening or the Azusa Street Revival or the Great Revivals of the 1950s? I'm not sure. Perhaps not. If there is no Great Revival, it won't be Because of the unwillingness of God. But because the church at large is content without it. And I really believe that with all my heart. I think God is willing. God is able and willing. God is desiring. God is longing to do great things in his people. But if there's stubbornness and resistance and idolatry and just contentment without the fullness of God. God can pass by an entire generation if we don't feel we want it or need it. It's not a fun thought to to muse on, but it's quite possible that the next 50 years in America could become a lot worse. And if you're a parent, that should especially make you weep, thinking about your kids growing up in this. It's their world. It's their country. It is a fact that the church in America is in decline. Even in my short walk with God from 1989 till uh, the present day, I've seen I've seen that there's been a decline even in those three decades. For those of you who are older than me, you know that's true because you go back to the, to the Jesus movement in the 1970s and late 60s. You go to some who are really old and think about just the powerful outpourings of the Spirit that happened in the, in the 50s. You know that most people believed in the Bible. Most people believed in Scripture in the, mid, in, in the, in the mid-century. But now we're in a place of decline, and it continues to worsen. Numbers of people are leaving churches and dropping out. Even church attendees attend for social reasons. It's become kind of a cultural thing. Not as much in the northeast and in places like Providence, but certainly Midwest and down south and different places. Uh, Just church has become more of a cultural uh, club of sorts. But even church attendees no longer believe in the basic tenets of Orthodox Christian faith, if they're really pressed. Again, you can go to the Barner Reports to survey people and ask just people who identify as Christians what they actually believe, and you find a lot of unbelief. A lot of basic Christian doctrine is not even being believed anymore. Today, many professing Christians are behaving in ways that are worse than secular people. Where is all this going is the question. Is America becoming a post-Christian nation? Again, I'm not suggesting that we cease praying for revival. But what I'm saying is that I think we need to give serious thought to what it looks like to be faithful and fruitful during the collapse, or the, I should say, the potential collapse of American Christianity. I'm gonna just say that again because I think it's kind of the punchline of where, where I'm going this morning. Again, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for revival. Revival is important. Revival is God's heart. Revival is what God wants to do in Providence and Rhode Island and New England and in America and the world. This is always God's heart to restore and revive and renew and just enliven his people. God always, you know, we don't have to twist God's arm, you know, to do these things. He wants to do these things. But I think, given the spiritual condition of the masses, even the masses of Christians. We need to give serious thought to what it looks like to be faithful and fruitful in what might be the potential collapse of American Christianity as we know it. It's happening even as we speak. Now, if you're like me and grew up in America, you have been taught that America is special. Um... America is talked about almost as though it's God's favorite nation. It's reasonable, I guess, to believe this because of the great revivals in America. Hundreds, thousands of missionaries have been sent out from America to all countries all over the world. Uh, Many justice and compassion organizations were birthed out of America. We have more Bible colleges and seminaries and churches and radio stations, Christian radio stations, than any other nation on the planet. We have had so much light, and maybe that's partly why we feel that God's favor and blessing is on our country so much. But I think America, in its present state, is spiritually sick. Jesus Put it this way, to those who are given much, much is expected. What have we done with all of this light? We've been given some of the greatest revivals that the planet has ever seen. When you think about Azusa Street, First Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, the outpourings of the Spirit in the 1950s, even things that happened during the Jesus movement. We've seen some incredible outpourings of the Spirit. The modern missions movement was really birthed out of, this, out of these moves of the Spirit in America, in England. What have we done with all this light? We produce and consume more pornography than any other nation. We fuel the sex trafficking industry. We take the lives of millions of unborn babies. We damage the environment, I think, more than any other nation. We're in the top, for sure. Kids are killing kids. We're seeing mass shootings Our cities have become dangerous. We are constantly at war with one another over something. Of course, the present is the political fighting. Drug and alcohol abuse is epidemic. We've seen thousands of people overdose and die in recent years. Domestic abuse and sex crimes against children are becoming more common. Our prisons are overflowing. The practice of homosexuality has now become fully embraced in America and just reinforced in every segment of society. That if you even Stand against that idea. You are in this extreme minority who will be persecuted. Marriage has lost its meaning. Divorce is becoming more and more common, by the way, in the church, just as much as outside the church. Couples indulge in sex before marriage, fornication like it's nothing. Like it's nothing. It's no big deal. It's just the common practice of the typical American. I could keep going. This is the state of things in uh, you know this great America, land of freedom, God's favor, supposedly on it. Obviously, God loves everyone, and God loves America. But if we can be sober for a moment, Think of how God sent terrible judgments on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. You can read about that in the book of Genesis. There seems to be a tipping point when a nation gets to a certain point of sin. Some have described it as the cup of iniquity overflowing. At that point, after after decades of divine warnings, after decades of prophetic messages going forth, after decades of just the word of God being preached and, and, and people being warned, time after time after time, there's a point, a tipping point after God has been ignored. So many times that God finally sends judgment. As many preachers have pointed out, if God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, who didn't even have a Bible, what will God do to America that has more gospel light than any nation on the planet? It's a great question. America is proud and defiant. Why would we even expect God to send a revival on such a nation when the Bible says in more than one place, God opposes the proud? God longs to be gracious to everyone, but God opposes the proud and the defiant. What I'm getting at is that we need to learn how to flourish amidst decline. We need to learn to patiently endure when the idolatrous Christian construct goes up in flames. We need to learn how to stand firm when everything that can be shaken is shaken. I see two ways that decline is happening. I'll just touch on them. The first is the common abandonment of all things Christian. Most people, even those who had Christian or Catholic parents, are embracing this kind of popular worldview that certainly is in Providence, but kind of this popular worldview that just says no one really knows anything for sure, uh, nobody knows anything for certain. There's probably a God. You know He's probably good. We should just focus on being good and being happy and just you know don't think about the afterlife too much because nobody really knows anything. All religions are essentially the same. This is kind of the the popular worldview of the day that you can feel squeezing us constantly comes through so many different comes through Hollywood, comes through social media. It just comes through every channel of society. And to not agree with this general view that all religions are essentially the same, and the most important thing is to try to be a good person, it puts you in a very awkward place to say it mildly. To even say that you believe in one way. To declare that you believe that Jesus Christ is the only true God. Puts you at odds with most of society. For you to declare that the only way to God is through Jesus. And if we don't have Christ Covered in the righteousness of Christ. On the day of judgment. We will perish for eternity. That is not a popular idea. And again even Christians are abandoning this. So I'm not talking about even when I mention this whole uh, point here. I'm, I'm not talking about just people in the culture outside. I'm talking about church people who are buying into this this way of thinking, they might still go to church because you know church is kind of fun and that's their social connect, you know social network is there. But they're they're beginning to buy into this worldview, and leave the true gospel. Well, the second decline, more deceptive than the first, is happening within the American church. It is a gradual eroding of moral convictions regarding doctrine and lifestyle. In other words, there is a hollow form of Christianity that is inwardly dead. No intimacy with God, no zeal, no deep repentance, no passion, no obedience in the secret place, kind of a distorted gospel, no power, Christian in name only, but no power, no Holy Spirit power within them. So again, the first decline people just departing from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. People just leaving. People not wanting to even identify as Christian anymore. People just falling away out of it. I've I've watched it. People who were in the church strong with God, leadership even now don't even identify as Christian anymore. The second decline though is happening within the church. Is people who continue to attend church, continue to do the church culture thing, continue to, you know, kind of go through the motions and do all the church things and yet there is something missing on the inside. It's the Holy Spirit that's missing. It's a dead hollow, lifeless Christianity that does not save and this is happening on a large scale it has become the norm that's why I always say do not compare yourselves to other Christians if you're trying to hey how am I doing spiritually how am I doing? Let me let me let me let me think about that. Let me look around and just look at all the different Christians I know, all the different Christians in America or whatever, and just let me see how I, I fare up against all them. Don't do that. Don't do that. You could be comparing yourself to people who aren't even Christian. They call themselves Christian, but they are dead inside. And yeah, maybe you are better than them in some ways. No, compare yourself to the great saints of the ages, compare yourself to the writers of the New Testament, compare yourself to Paul and Peter, compare yourself to the standard of the Word of God, compare yourself to Christ. He's our ultimate example, as it says in First Peter. Judge yourself, examine yourself according to the Word of God and not, not other Christians around you. Now, none of this uh, decline should surprise us at all because it was predicted by Jesus and other writers in the New Testament. We are living in the last hours, maybe the last minutes of human history. The curtain is closing. So much prophecy has been fulfilled. Jesus warned that the love of most would grow cold. Those are Jesus' words. He didn't talk about a great coming revival at the end just before he comes back. He said the love of most will grow cold. Scripture tells us that many will turn away from the truth in the last days and give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. The word of God is emphatic that the world will not get better and better before Jesus returns, but will actually become worse and worse. I think about I think I have the old King James memorized. You know, evil men will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. A great apostasy or falling away is predicted in the New Testament before Christ returns. And listen, it's happening before our eyes. He who has eyes to see, you know, Open them and see it. He who has ears to hear, can you hear what the Spirit is saying in this moment of history? People are falling away in this nation. And, and Christianity is in decline. Can you hear the Spirit calling you to be faithful? I'm partly speaking this to some of us who may be getting pulled away by these uh, various seductions. There's a war happening. As I've said many times, you know, when the Bible talks about the spiritual war, it's not not merely a metaphor. There's an actual war happening. Satan, I don't know how many Demons or whatever they look like or whatever they can do are under Satan. But this is a war against God's people, against the church. The Bible says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to whom he may devour. Ephesians 6, we're in the book of Ephesians, right? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against people. People are not the enemy. You know, humanity is, we're in this together. The enemy, the common enemy is is the wicked one. Satan and these demons and devils that are trying to separate us from God and trip us up and bring us into, into sin and into hell ultimately. We're called over and over in Scripture, listen, to be sober, vigilant. We're called to encourage one another daily. We're called to patient endurance. This is not a time to drift. This is a time of testing for all of us. We can all feel it in different ways. I believe when we come out of this pandemic, that there will be some who do not believe anymore and will drop out of the race. It may be, it may just be that when we come out of this pandemic, when we ever really do come out of this pandemic fully, that we might find that the church is smaller and not bigger. Others, however, will come forth like gold out of the fire. Perfected, refined, sanctified, flourishing, fruitful. Filled with the Spirit. Which will you be? Which will I be? I want to be faithful. Let's make every effort to live holy and to stay near to God. And to sacrifice whatever is needed to love and serve one another. So we are going to shift gears and uh, we are going to have a time of prayer. Um, I'm going to spend the rest of this service uh, just praying for those who are struggling and some of you in this room might be in this place but struggling to hold on right now. I think all of us are struggling in some ways so we all need prayer. But I'd like you to do a little instruction here. I'd like to invite you to pray with us and not just uh, kind of watch us. Don't just listen to our prayers, but um, you know, leaders pray not as a spiritual performance that is, uh, you know, we're kind of like watching somebody play a musical instrument. Shouldn't be like that. But think of uh, leaders praying as um, taking the lead, running toward the front lines of the spiritual battle, kind of going into the enemy's territory. So we don't kind of hang back and stand and see if they get killed you know, and, uh, you know, see what happens to them. But we we run behind them. We run to the left and to the right of them. And I I want you to do that this morning. We want to run as a pack. We want to pray as a pack. So when when different prayers are being let out this morning, um, join join. You can say amen. You can agree. I mean, maybe some of you aren't sure how to do that. You feel like, okay, somebody else is praying, so how do I pray when they're praying? Do I pray at the same time? That seems weird. You just, you know, you, you just kind of do it Do it quietly. You do it, Lord, yes, Lord. Yeah, God, do it. And you, you're just you're in agreement with them. You're just saying yes to everything they're saying. You're, 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 you're active in it. It's not passive you know, oh, when's well, my turn to pray? I guess I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. No, you're, 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 you're looking to God. There's, there's a certain spiritual exertion that happens in prayer, right? Yes. And, and we all know, I think we all know, I know what it's like to be in a prayer meeting and not exert anything because I'm too tired or I'm just daydreaming or tuning out. Uh, but I'm hearing the prayer that's not agreeing in prayer like I know even if I like this morning's prayer meeting um from nine to ten I think I let out once in a you know two three minute prayer it was an hour prayer meeting but when every single person was praying I'm 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 just I'm praying if you if you speak in tongues some of you may have that gift that is a great way to agree in prayer quietly of course um respectfully but just let's all be praying I'm asking for those that are at home to join us in these prayers just kind of lock in and just you know put the phone down or whatever and just you know even if you have to just close your eyes Uh, we're going to pray as a pack this morning and the way we've kind of crafted these these prayers we want to pray for uh, things that are tripping up God's people and different, there's seven different uh, things we've identified. So I'd like to ask um, John and Mark uh, to to come up with me. They're gonna join me in these prayers, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kick kick us off. I actually want to pray. Just take a moment before we get into praying for our um, brothers and sisters who are struggling. Just to pray for the president. I'm sure most. Have heard that the president um, has coronavirus and his wife as well. And, but also pray for this uh, election season for peace. I think it'd be a good way to, to kick off the prayer. If you watched the first presidential debate, it was uh, pretty uncomfortable to watch. And uh, it's just, it's a mess right now. It's a mess. And so let's, let me, let, I'll start by praying for that. Uh, Father, I just we just take a moment uh, to cry out uh, for the president, um, Lord. We we pray for health. We pray for strength. We pray for his wife as well. Uh, we pray for a quick recovery. We pray that the presidential uh, debates can continue and that the election process would go smooth. Uh, we pray that, um, Lord. I pray that as convictions are strong on on different sides, about different things, uh, which is fine, I pray that there would be a spirit of honor. I pray that that there would be love and that there would be peace and that even the church of Jesus would uh, model honor, would model uh, sort of having a strong opinion and yet not hating anybody. Um, Lord, that we would be really good at that. We would show the world how to do that, how to believe something very firm, but not to hate. Lord, we pray for peace in this nation. We pray for health and, 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 and just an output, just a touch of your spirit upon the president and his wife and others in the White House who were also um, contracted the virus. The first thing I want to pray for thinking about God's people is, you know, one of the schemes of the enemy is to discourage the saints and make them feel unworthy and un- unable to live the Christian life. Sometimes this happens after repeated failure in a particular area and people feel like giving up. So Lord, I think about those people who just feel this morning like they they just want to give up. They, they just don't want to do this anymore. They just feel like they're not good at it. They feel like they don't have what it takes to be a strong Christian. You know, they just feel like it's just not, they're not cut out for it. Lord, I pray that you'd blow that away. I pray that you would, you would show them the, that's a lie of the, of the enemy, Lord, that that none of us are good at this. None of us have what it takes. But Lord, our, our sufficiency comes from above. Our power comes from you, Lord. You, Lord, we do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Lord, I pray that you would show them how to lean on you, God. Show them, Lord, that you will keep them. You will preserve them. That he who began a good work is faithful to complete it to the end. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them, be the glory and the lifter of their heads. Jesus, you know the ones who uh, maybe outwardly they look fine, but inwardly they're feeling like, like I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm just weary. Lord, I pray that they would come to you and find rest for their souls this morning. Jesus, do that mighty work in those who feel discouraged. Encourage them encourage them Jesus and by the way when we're while we're praying you can even be praying for specific people that that might come to mind and just you know you can you can even pray kind of laser uh, sharp prayers just for that one person that might drop into your mind as we as we pray for these different themes amen mark
1: The next thing we're going to pray about this morning is uh, fear and anxiety. But the first thing I wanted to do is just read a passage out of Isaiah 8 that's really been just feeding my mind and my soul uh, these last few months. I just keep coming back to this because I think it speaks really to our situation. But it says, for the Lord thus spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me. And warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall regard as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread, and he will become a sanctuary. And a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken, and they shall be snared and taken. Bind up the testimony, seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Behold. I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and of the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony, if they will not speak according to this word, It is because they have no dawn. Um, And I just think of this like first thing in the morning when I read something like this. It's like um, what we used to do with our children. If they were like in chaos, craziness, like we can be in. And we would say to our children, you know, to a child in that state, look at me. Look at me. Look in my eyes. And the child turns and looks. And I feel like that's what God is saying to us. Look at me, look at my face, look at my face, look in my eyes. We start our day like that, that sets the tone. We're looking into the light of dawn when we do that. Let's pray that that God seals that in our hearts. Oh Lord, we come to you this morning, and Lord, we feel the things that are happening, God, and, and you know that. And there's there's goodness to that, Lord. How can we not feel um, the strife? How can we not sense the danger of what is around us, Lord? We hear it every day on the news. We hear of people falling ill. Uh, we hear of people who, Lord, do all the right things and yet somehow they contract this virus. Uh, Lord, we hear about political strife that's happening. And people uh, mouthing just great boasts on all sides and, and threatenings. And, and Lord, but you, you tell us, you command us, do not fear what they fear. Lord, do, do not respond in the way that the, the world responds, but we are to fear you, Lord. If, if we fear you, then there is nothing to fear. If we look to you, Lord, and, and we dread your judgment, we dread, because we know how powerful you are, that you are a burning fire. Lord, if we dread you, then there's nothing to dread. Lord, we we walk in confidence, in peace, without fear, without anxiety. And Lord, I pray for your church, Lord, that this would be a time where we would look steadily into your face. Lord, we would look into your eyes, and then you would, Lord, pour out your spirit, give us your power, give us your confidence, give us your sound mind, Lord, that we would not be troubled. And, Lord, when we are troubled, that we would know where to go. We don't go to the necromancers, Lord. We don't go to the pharmacy. We don't go to the liquor store, Lord, to give us an illusion of security and strength. We go to the one who is strong, Lord, and that is you. Lord, lead us to you, Lord. You know how weak we are. God, you know how slow we are and sluggish and how stupid we can be. But, Lord, we pray for your mercy, God. Awaken us day by day. Lord, lead us into your presence. Be with your church, Lord. I I do pray and we pray, Lord, that this would be a time of great strengthening. That, Lord, we would look back on COVID-19 and we would look back on the strife that's happening right now. and, And we would give praise to you because we see how you're working, Lord, how you're strengthening your church in the midst. And, Lord, make us strong. We pray. And Father, we also pray for the unbelievers right now who are just lost in fear. God, they think they are live in a random universe where they can just get picked off randomly without any rhyme or reason. And God, that leads to fear and crippling panic attacks. And God, we pray that you would reach out to these people, Lord, and use us, God. Use us to reach out to them to show us who you are, Lord, what we have found in you. And um, God, be with the missionaries, be with the campus ministries in this country, Lord, that we wouldn't hunker down and hide in our bunkers, but Lord, we would, we would find creative ways to, be, to go forth, Lord, and to save people uh, from anxiety and from all the things, the fears, Lord, that they would come into the sanctuary and find peace. Lord, we lift this prayer to you in Jesus' name.
2: The Bible says that in the end times the hearts of many would grow cold. So we're going to uh, pray about coldness, hard, hardness in heart, numbness. Um, Lord, we recognize that many people have become complacent. Your church has become complacent and apathetic. Concerning the things of God, the stories of Scripture and of uh, fellowship and even prayer. Worship, preaching, sharing testimonies, etc. And God, we have even become apathetic and complacent and indifference about the presence of God. God, this is set in to many of our hearts that we just don't seem to care anymore. We just become numb, maybe because it's of the mundanity of, of life. But these things just don't melt our hearts like they used to, God. And God, we could say many words and, and, and many things uh, to people directly, but if they're just words, they don't do anything. It's not about watching another uh, pastor or getting another prayer. God, only you can do this, God. So we pray by your spirit, God, that you would replace our hearts of hardness with a heart of flesh, God. You said that, that uh, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to uh, pierce between bone and marrow and soul and spirit, God, so that we would have these hearts, God, that are like fleshy and that the, the, the sword of the Spirit would go in and change us, Lord. God, we ask you to melt our hearts at the same time, God, that we are melted and, and that, God, again, it's not... It's not any, any words from a man or from a woman. God, maybe you'll use that. Maybe you'll use scripture. You can do it in many ways, Lord. But we ask you, God, by your spirit, for those of us in the church, God, who have become cold in our heart, our cold in love for one another, but also our coldness just towards you, God, and, and, and just hardness of heart, God. Change us, oh God.
0: Another struggle has been just a a disconnect with God. People who feel far, as far from God, as I talked about earlier, distant from him. And doubts surface. Not doubts of God's existence, but doubts about what God thinks of them. Doubting God's love doubting if they are really children of God let's pray for an outpouring of God's tangible love for them Lord I pray I feel for for that person because I, I I know that I've been there I've been there that's a tough place to be when you're when you're walking with God you're serving the Lord you're trying to do everything right and you still feel disconnected and you aren't sure what the Father thinks of you. And Lord, I, I just I pray for, for those brothers and sisters in that place. Lord, I pray that you would just love them. I pray that, that you would embrace them. I pray that you would manifest your tangible love and compassion to them, Lord. I pray that they would feel it. I pray that they would know it from the scriptures. There's so many scriptures that talk about, you know, Zephaniah 317, the Lord singing over his people with, with great love. There's so many great verses of scripture, but I pray too, Lord, that just through the Holy Spirit and, and the ways that you do in personal, intimate ways, and different in each of us, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that they would feel just strangely warm. They would feel Uh, just overwhelmed by the love of God, just rivers and rivers and rivers of God's love and peace and tangible presence. Let them know you are real and that you are for them and not against them. Lord, I pray that they would have that revelation that, Lord, you have them in your grip and you are not going to let them go. Nobody is going to uh, snatch them out of your hand, Lord. You're keeping power. You're preserving grace is is incredible, Lord. Just show them, Lord, that you are for them and not against them. Amen. Um.
1: The only, the other thing that, has just been a real concern too in our in our day is that we keep the gospel of Jesus Christ at the center of our minds, and the center of our on our lips. Um, and one of the things um, I know, Scott, you mentioned false gospels. I mean, it seems like there's it could be all that, that's a huge topic, false gospels. But I think one of the things I see in this season is um, seeing the destiny of this country. Sort of taking front sort of the front of our minds rather than the gospel, the kingdom of Christ manifesting itself in whatever political regime you happen to be under at whatever time and i don't know I just see Christians being tempted to really become zealots either for Trump or against trump and um I think either one, you're falling into like a false gospel, you're falling into a false idea of what's really important for your life and for everybody's lives around you. So I don't know if you guys have felt the same thing, but it's like almost like we can become overtaken by another kingdom and another agenda. So let's pray that the Lord keeps us focused and keeps the church focused the main thing we're talking about what's what's the root of the problem of this world and it's not knowing Jesus Christ that's the root of all problems so let's pray oh lord you, we are so grateful that you came to this earth and that you manifested your kingdom presence lord in the healings in the casting out of demons lord you they came out in such numbers because you were here and you drew them out Lord, uh, and we know that they're still here, that they're still present, and they're, they're, they're deceiving people and tempting us to be deceived, to become zealots, Lord, to take up weapons, to take up clubs, and to go against other people, thinking that if we just, if we just oppose people with our hands and our fists and our shouting, Lord, that that'll win the day, and uh, Lord, keep us from, from becoming zealots. For a political cause, Lord, and Lord, enable us to be ze- zealous for you, your kingdom, Lord. We know that at the end, every knee will will bend, every tongue will confess that you are Lord, and it's for the good of all people that you are Lord. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you keep the church focused on the gospel of the kingdom, on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for, Lord, even all the many different perspectives that exist here in this place. And I pray, Lord, that we would glorify you by keeping you at the center. Lord, that we would not be pitted against each other based on how we vote, Lord, but that we would be for each other and with each other based on the lordship of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that for your church throughout this country, God, that we would stand unified and glorify you. Lord, we are your people. We are your servants. So Lord, fill us with your spirit. Lord, keep us focused on the right things. And Lord, we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. We recognize
2: that these are all spiritual things, but sometimes they come in real practical form. So we're going to pray against addictions. Lord, we don't know why, God. We don't know why. Maybe it's the boredom of, of not getting together and having these big, exciting Sunday services and stuff. That's what a lot of people have been talking about, that that we need to be constantly entertained, and, and we feel a thirst and a hunger. And God, we've seen it, it's happening, God. People are falling back into sexual addiction and pornography, addiction to food, addiction to shopping, addiction to uh, alcohol and drug addiction, God. God, this was never your plan. This was never your way. God, we've, whether it's addiction or idolatry, maybe we've we've slipped into... Uh, being addicted to social media or, or the television or something. God, there are addictions, God. And we just come against, God, the spirits of the enemy, the spirit of the enemy that wants to bring us away from God and into other things to, to fulfill those hurts or, or the boredom or, or whatever brings these things come. God, so we pray, Lord. Lord, God, we think of Isaiah 55 where you said, you know, those who are thirsty, come, drink from my fountain. Those who don't have food or or those who don't have money, I have the money, come and I'll give you the money and you can buy food and and all the things that you need, Lord. God, I pray that we would be driven back to you, those of us who have struggled with these addictions and life-controlling substances and ideas, Lord, that we would be brought back to you, God you came jesus to the earth for for many reasons but maybe primarily the 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 biggest one is to set the captives free and god so we ask you god for those who are struggling with addictions or idolatry that have been life controlling god that you would again set septica- set the captives free those who who had who had beaten the addiction and and were coming to church and and grown, god and those god who maybe have never beaten the addiction and 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 maybe they're hearing us this morning and and hearing your heart, God, for them. God, you set the captives free. It doesn't matter how we come to you, Lord, what addictions we're struggling with, what is uh, controlling our lives, God. We can come to you and you will set us free, God. So we pray, God, for our brothers and sisters and those in the city and out there, God, who are struggling with these things, God. God, let them be set free in Jesus name.
0: Amen. I want to pray for one last uh, very important thing. I think some people are are sitting in 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 levels of loneliness and depression and despair that are dangerous, even to the point of, of suicide. I don't know if you caught uh, a few weeks ago, our Missionary of the Month, Lorena was talking about during the pandemic, one in four young people have contemplated suicide. I think about just through the years, people that I've known, either personally or kind of acquaintance or heard of or you know, somebody I was connected to in, in, in some kind of way who took their life, um, in most cases, I think maybe in every case, it, it was a surprise, uh, kind of took everybody back. You don't know what's happening inside people's hearts and minds But the good news this morning is is God does. You know, the the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, he lies to people. Your life isn't worth living. It would be better off to be dead. You know, he just lies. The enemy the enemy just lies to to people, whispers to them over and over. Your life is worthless. You're never gonna change. There's nothing good about you. Nobody cares about you. Just these whatever lies seem to just come over and over and over and over again. All in the secret place. But how many know that, that God can turn that around? And God knows exactly what people are thinking. He perceives our thoughts from afar, says in Psalm 139. He knows the hearts of all men. He knows the motives. He knows the impressions. Deep down, he knows every single contemplation of every single person on the planet. That's our God. He knows all things. So, Lord, we, we know that you know. You know the, the brothers and sisters in Christ maybe part of this church, maybe connected to this church in some way, maybe some of our family members or siblings or, or parents or grandparents or children even who have been contemplating just ending it. And so, Lord, I'm asking right now the power of prayer that you would, you would visit these individuals and that you would encourage them, Lord, that you would let them know that they are worth, they are of great worth in the sight of God. Lord that, that that you fashioned them that you, that you made them that they are fearfully and wonderfully made it says in Psalm 139 that they are made in the image of God that they are not an accident they are not a mistake that even all the mistakes maybe that they've made or you know the different things that they've you know struggled with or 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 just failures that they, all of that can be redeemed Lord that you have a plan for their lives Lord I pray that you would just show them that 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 you are holding them that there's something good in the future for them. Lord that you want to bless them, you want to lavish them, you want to love them, you want to give them hope, you want to give them a future. Not just a future in this life, like you know some great career or you know a big family or a house with a picket fence Lord, it's, that, all that stuff is just temporary. Lord the future you, you want to you want to bless them for eternity, Lord. You want to lavish your grace upon them for billions and billions of years. Lord, I pray that they would see that big picture. Lord, I don't know the hearts of people, but you know, God, what they need to hear. And I pray even that you would orchestrate specific things. that. That Lord, those who are contemplating suicide would, you know, that that somebody would call them, that 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 something that they're listening to on the radio or some podcast that they're listening to, or it's just some random thing. They're at a stoplight and and there's something coming out of the radio from the car next to them, and it's just like the exact exact word that they need to hear. You know, 1 Corinthians 14 style that, Lord, the secrets of their hearts are just revealed and they they realize that God is real and God is for them and and they kind of fall on their faces and, and they're just baptized with hope. Lord, I pray that nobody would take their life. God, we pray that you would just stop them. Lord, we pray that you would frustrate the works of the enemy, the lie to them, just those condemning lies of just self-loathing and just all that darkness that tries to come and swallow them up. Lord, we pray that you would blow that away and send light and truth, God, to their hearts. Let them know there's a God in heaven that is good and that longs to be gracious to them and their life has meaning and you have a purpose for their life sometimes it's, you know, I think maybe just people can't forgive themselves, you know, because, because of the things that they've done. They just feel so guilty and so ashamed, and they just, there's like no way to erase that. Lord, I pray that you would show them the cross, show them the blood of Jesus, cleanses all, show them the, the, the characters in the Bible who did just terrible things, adultery and murder, and just some of the great heroes of the Bible were some of the worst of the worst sinners. Lord, there's no sin that's too great. Lord, you wash it all away. Lord, I pray that you reveal to them, Lord, that your blood is sufficient to cleanse away all of their sin, all of the guilt, all of the shame. Lord, you don't keep a record of wrongs. You don't hold those things over our heads. In fact, your word says you cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. You remember them no more. You just like throw them into the sea of forgetfulness. And you treat us as if we've never sinned. Lord, reveal your grace to our brothers and sisters who are in despair. Lord, thank you for this morning, for this prayer time. Um, Lord, we love you. And we, we do pray, God, that you would you would teach us how to, how to flourish and how to be fruitful, even if there is more decline of Christianity. I mean, we, we hope there's not. We hope there's a great turnaround and a great revival, but Lord, if, if things continue to get worse and worse in America, and there's more decline and more trials and hardships, Lord, Show us how to flourish amidst that. <laughs> if, if more than just, you know, restaurants are taken from us, if there's other pleasures and other uh, things that we kind of draw from, if the economy crashes, Lord, I pray that you would teach us to be a people who draw from the well of God and that we would be satisfied with your love we would be satisfied with your presence, that we'd be a people, even in the midst of famine, even in the midst of hardship and difficulty, we would be a people filled, drenched with the goodness of God. Teach us how to do that. We confess we're not good at it. We confess we easily go astray. We're prone to wander, Lord. We're we're, we're, we're sinful. We, we bend towards sin. God, we're, we're, we're dumb. Like we're, we're like sheep that, that go astray kind of easily. Lord, we, we, we need you, God. We're weak. We're weak. Lord, we confess. We, we, we just get so easily distracted. We get so easily bored with spiritual things. We forget the cross. We forget you, and, and we just turn to other things, as we mentioned, as we prayed for just things that are they are like lesser gods. You know, the god of food. You know, the god of pornography. The god of TV. The god of whatever. Material things and drugs and alcohol and even hobbies and other things. Not that all these things are bad necessarily, but sometimes we just look to them for our joy instead of looking to you thank you that you give joy thank you that you make your house a house of prayer you give joy in your house of prayer thank you for the satisfying waters of grace thank you that we can come to you and find rest thank you that you give abundant life thank you for the power of the holy spirit in our lives thank you that we can know you that's the greatest thing of all god that we can know you that we can enjoy you that we can have communion with you god Thank you for the good things that you bless us with. Thank you for just uh, lavishing us with your grace. Thank you for the feast of the word of God that just feeds us. Thank you for the daily bread. Thank you for the body of Christ. We have one another, God. Thank you for your kindness toward us, oh God. Thank you for lavishing your people. God, we are so grateful. So grateful for who you are what you've given us. And we pray this morning in your wonderful and precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you uh, this morning for joining us in prayer, this kind of unique service, and let's keep praying for these things. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week.